0: my strength and my shield. Amen. If I had to, um, 17 years ago, I would hear some news like I heard this morning. I'd be crawled up in a corner somewhere. Uh, but that's the benefit of having the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Like he's your strength. He's your rock. He's your guide. So he's everything you need. And, uh, <clears throat> one of the main reasons that, um, I had to finish this assignment this morning here uh, because of um, his name is George. Um, he married my mother in law about eight years ago, and when I first met him, he had a respect for all religions. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, um, uh, Jehovah—you know, just, just a bunch of you know stuff. I mean, worked in the prison system. So, um, but over the years, uh, through the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I've been able to have. Many, many, many conversations um, with him when it comes to Christi- the distinction between Christianity and other religions, you know. And uh, uh, he came to the Lord, you know. And on the side of his uh, bed uh, yesterday, uh, my mother-in-law was telling me about all the scriptures that he had highlighted in the Bible. So uh, it brings me great joy to that I know he's with the Father. He, you know, he's in heaven. Uh, but. What we're about to talk about today as far as engaging the community from a church as a whole and from an individual standpoint, why it's so important. Because if I didn't yield to the Holy Spirit and uh, let God courage, had me challenge him, you know, about his beliefs, because I love him. You know, if you love somebody, you tell them the truth, right? You know, if, if I didn't do that, then he probably wouldn't be with the Lord. And the thing about it, a week ago, I mean, he's healthy. You know, he works out, he go to the gym. I mean, I would have never thought that this would happen. He went to the doctor because of he had some pains. He had to have surgery on it, and his lung collapsed. So we didn't know. So the thing about it is it's important that we handle our business with God because you never know when your heart might be stopping. I mean, when your heart stop, or when God might require your soul. You know, so your disbelief in the fact that heaven is real, Jesus is real, is not going to change the reality. I can go out here and say, I don't believe in big trucks and stand on here on Bell Road. So I don't believe in big trucks. Well, that's, gonna, that's not going to stop one from running over me. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, it's important. You might be here today, and you don't know Jesus. I mean, for real, for real. You haven't given your life to the Lord. You know, you haven't, you haven't uh, uh, accepted his free payment for your sins. Then you, when, when your heart stops beating, you've got to give account yourself. You've got to defend yourself. And you can't do it. So that's why what we do, the church, is important when it comes to evangelism and when it comes to discipleship making. you got to do both. We're quick about preaching the gospel, but sometimes preaching the gospel at one time, don't do it. You know? There are some people, and we're going to look at two passages of scripture here, but there are some people who might receive it right there. and there are some, you have, to, you have to walk them through it. You have to answer some hard questions. So it's okay if you don't. Um, you didn't get it right off the bat, but I would encourage you, you know, handle your business with the Lord. The kingdom of God is at hand, you know, so it's important. so anyway amen, anyway, I want to get that out of the way. uh glad to be here. Amen. Hey the Lord all right. He's still good, no matter what, you know what I'm saying like he's still good, you know he said precious uh is the death of his saints, right because as a as a child of God, See, I already died one time. I don't die again. Hebrews 9, 27 says it's appointed once for a man to die. And after that, the judgment. The moment you receive Christ, Jesus Christ, you died to your old self. You died. Uh-huh. You died once. And the judgment became innocent. So if my heart stopped beating right now, I just transferred from this consciousness to that consciousness. Amen. So that's the good news, you know. But if you don't receive Christ, then you're one time that you die. Not be good, no, 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 Mike. It won't be good. That's the truth. So, the Lord said, "Come on out here, because He was going to send somebody here today that just don't know Him yet." So, but at the same time, He want to encourage His church and He want to challenge His church when it comes to engaging the community, because right now, saying we live in a fallen world and Satan is running rampant, you know. And God is challenging His church to do what He said to do in the Bible in His Word. That's why He gave it to us. Amen. That's not even in the message. <laughs> But, I wanted to get that out there. So, super glad to be back here today. I love Gateway Baptist Church. Not because it took a white man to introduce me to the best eating place in Montgomery, self. <laughs> 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 he took I mean, his wife took me down to island Delight, And I was like, man, what in the world? That's like my favorite restaurant right now. So... <laughs> But I just love Pastor uh, Grady, C.J., the whole uh, Gateway family. Uh, see some old friends, Sandra and Bob. Just came in and just I'm gonna try to name the names. So just thankful for everybody. Uh, there's a lot to be celebrated in Montgomery right now. Like despite what you see uh, on the news and in the media, the Lord is moving here in Montgomery. I kid you not. Like like there's a revival. I will say about to break out, but I think one is already happening. The last time I was here, I was telling y'all they on the way now. I was telling y'all about this young man. Uh, I mean, I think I had witnessed to him the day before I came here. Uh, he was involved in some activities <laughs> uh, on the west side of Montgomery, and uh, he'd been really walking with the Lord since then. So he just texted me and told me he's on his way here now. So it's a lot of, I mean, just a lot of great things going on with the young people here in Montgomery. Uh, hunger for the Word of God hunger for truth uh, yeah um, so I'm really p- glad to be a part of uh, the church of Montgomery right now really excited about the Montgomery Baptist churches all beside one high school one public high school here in Montgomery I could say every other high school has churches really really engaged and plugged into those schools uh, doing before school projects Bible studies after school projects but it's just really, really great. So uh don't believe everything you see on the news, you know. Pray, but that that can't be your source, you know. Um we just finished judgment house. Y'all know I played Jesus, right? All right. The last thing, uh well, the last night I heard this young man say, you know, as I was doing my my my, my thing, he said, I told you Jesus was black. <laughs> 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 but we had 4,030 people come through Judgment House, and over 865 decisions for the Lord. So, uh, regard, and we don't know how many of those 865 decisions are really, really genuine, but they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now we just pray that the church really, really would take discipleship uh, serious. And come alongside us and, and really do the follow- up, I mean we can't follow up with four thousand thirty people, so a lot of good stuff. Um, he told you about the church already. Uh, we got our first gift from the church. We got a van. Amen. They gave us a, we got a van last week, you know, so um, God's just doing a whole lot of stuff, so um, but at the same time, there are some things that's going on that we, that that raises high concern. Uh, I had to do a lot of counseling last week. I don't know if you all know about the two students. It's not on the news, but two students lost their lives uh, last week here in Montgomery. Uh, I'm still dealing with that right now because of identity crisis, not knowing who you are in the Lord. And when you don't know who you are in the Lord, Satan's going to tell you who you are. And sometimes that can become your reality if you don't know who Jesus is that you are. Um, And then, I know y'all saw what went on in Florida, uh, where uh, this 11-year-old two girls waiting off in the bathroom with knives, uh, they same worshipers, and had planned to kill, chop up, and we got babies up in here, do some stuff. This really happened in in a a junior high, middle high school. So it's a lot that we as the church got to really hit our knees and pray about, and then See how the Lord wants to engage with these students because whenever you pull Christ out of something, you invite the devil into it. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. So, Acts eight. I didn't give you the scripture, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the world. And let's break this down. Jerusalem means local Montgomery. All right. God has called us to be his, he he said, we're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. When we tear and we wait on the Lord, like, especially like what y'all going to do here tonight, that's what you're doing. You're tearing. You're begging for God. You're begging to be filled with his spirit. You're begging to be cleansed. You're begging to be purified so that he can use you to go out and be an ambassador and be a witness for Him. So what y'all got going on tonight is very, very important because... We're we about to go through some evangelism strategies, and we're about to go through some discipleship strategies, but if prayer is not a culture in your life, then this won't work because you're going to end up trying to do this on your own, and you're going to get frustrated. That's just like me. If I was up here trying to preach in my own self, knowing that my father-in-law, who was really, really cool with me, uh, if I was up here in my flesh, then I couldn't do it. You know? But when you yield to the Spirit of God, then God will give you the courage and give you the strength and give you the power to do what he desires that you do for him at that very moment in time. Amen. All right, so he, God, he, he commands us. He said, uh, he want us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Montgomery, Judea. That's national. That, and uh, Samaria, that's cross-culture, meaning they don't have to look like you. Like, I don't have to look like you to be, we ain't got to be twins to be brother. That was Brother Neil I always tell me from, from Montgomery. But we, we don't have to be twins to be brother. But God is calling us to uh, share his gospel and be his witness for to, for him. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and that's international. So this is a mandate from the Lord. It's not a, it's not a, uh, this is not a suggestion. This is actually a command from the Lord God. All right. So point number one. Prayer has to be a culture. Before, like we're gonna get into John chapter four, verse seven through twenty-six, but before we get into those strategies, you you can't do anything without prayer. Your desperation for the Holy Spirit. You know, like, we have to be desperate for God's spirit to work in our lives in order to do anything effective for the Lord. Now, you can do something. You have a form of godliness and deny the power of the Holy Spirit, but it won't be effective. See, see, uh, God supernaturally opened the doors for us to get into the schools, like, supernaturally. Like, there's no, there's no strategy. There's no, I just pray, Lord, there's a need. You want me to go? I go. I say what you want me to say. And he opens the door got a passion for that because he uses all of our life. The passion for that comes from the fact that I didn't hear the gospel until I was uh, 26 years old, February 3rd, 2002, at 11, 17 a.m., you know, like grew up in the South and did not hear Jesus. So that's the motivation behind the fact that, that it's important that, that that the schools be touched with the gospel, you know, uh, and then I didn't have no father in my life, you know. Uh, these two young men, I'll make sure they ain't showed up yet. Um, and neither, neither one of them have dads, and, and that's the Man, that's at the top of the list of the people that we deal with right now. There's no fathers in the lives, and then there are fathers in the home, but they work all the time. So you're still neglecting them. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, it says fathers neglect not your child or wrath. So if you got angry, angry teenager you live at the home, you're probably working too much. Let me pause for me. Don't know (laughs) because that's how the devil get in. You know, so um, but prep has to be a culture. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything. not But in some things. He said, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, right now, I'm experiencing right now peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Because like uh, what Brother Pray, I don't understand what's going on right now. But the peace of God surpasses my understanding. So that's another benefit of being in the Lord. You have a prayer life, no matter what goes on, your whole world can be falling apart. But the peace of God will surpass all oh, your understanding. So you don't have to understand to have peace. All right? So, prayer overrules anxiety, worry, fear, and confusion. Be anxious and afraid. Being, I'm sorry. Being anxious and afraid is actually sin. First Timothy, Jesus says that, uh, that the fear is not from the Lord. The secret of overcoming anxiety is to rejoice constantly in the Lord And to pray to God, thanking him for his provision, his goodness, and his mercies, both past and future. When you know that the Heavenly Father is taking care of your business, you can allow the peace of God to fill your life. God's peace is not dependent on outward circumstances. It is the supernatural peace that comes from confidence of knowing that God is in control. So, what a blessing from the Lord. So, you... 'Cause you can't do it work unless this is this part of your life gotta be first. You know, like like we can we can have events and I heard man fact people are bragging all y'all and my girl which y'all fall fessels. They said cars was all up and down the street, they come not know how to get in here. But y'all was loving on folks, people lined up, the gospel was preached. This is this is the word getting back. So I praise God for y'all doing that right there. But without prayer, See, prayer demonstrates your desperation for the Lord. See, a person that don't pray is a prideful person. And the Bible said, first come pride, then come what? The fall. So prayer has to be like a culture in our lives before we can do anything for the Lord. Because you're begging God to help you to do it. You're surrendering and submitting yourself to the Lord so that he can work through you to carry out his mission. Uh, for the church, all right. Point two: We are commanded to engage. Matthew twenty-eight, uh, verse uh, sixteen through twenty, is probably to me the probably the second most important, uh, or if not the most important, passage of scripture in the in the Bible when it comes to doing God's work. And uh, let me read it for you real quick. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, first, let's, let's pause right there. Jesus letting us know we have no excuse for not going out because he said, listen, all authority has been given unto me. And if all authority has been given to Jesus, and you're receiving Jesus Christ, you have, you have nothing to be afraid of. Remember, we talked about fear. There's nothing to fear when it comes to witnessing and sharing God's gospel because all authority has been given unto Jesus. All right? And Jesus is with you. All right? And he says, he says, all authority has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the evangelism part of this commandment, right? First, God let you know it's going to be all right. All the authority been given to me. Now I need you to go into all the nations, right? So that means like He he wants you, you know, not just on Bell Road or Vaughn Road. He wants you West Side, North Side, wherever God is calling you. Take care of your area locally, but He says go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then. Here's the discipleship part of that scripture. He said, and then you teach them what I taught you. You teach them what I have commanded you. And people quote Matthew 28 all the time. They say, well, yeah, you know the Bible said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, you need to finish that. Because that's only half of it. And I think that's what we miss it a lot of times. As long as we have one big event, that means we preach the gospel. But then what are we are going to do with the follow-up? Like, w- w- when are we going to sit them down to the Panera Bread or Island Delight? <laughs> And teach them what it is that you learn from the Lord. So that when it comes to evangelizing a community or engaging a community, we got to get both of those parts done. We got to understand that the evangelism part is, is critical and the discipleship part is critical. You can't have one without the other. Because if you do one and you don't do the other, you're doing more damage. Imagine this with me. Spiritually. Let's do physically. Let's say, for instance, because when you evangelize the gospel and someone gets saved, they become born again. They become a new creature, right? So just imagine all right, so imagine naturally if a baby, you have a baby, and that baby becomes born again. This is a brand new baby. That baby can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They can't do anything about themselves. But you have the baby, and you just leave the baby on the table, and you go on by your business. What's going to happen to that baby three weeks ago or three weeks later on down the road? You've had this baby, but you didn't nurture this baby. It's going to die, right? It's the same thing spiritually. When we lead someone to Christ and they become born again, well, they can't do anything on their own. We have to now help raise that baby. So that's what what God is calling us to do when we lead people to Christ, when we engage our community. We invite you here, you get saved, okay, now we got to walk with you. You can't do anything on your own. You can't, you know, that's why, that's why we raise our hands. This is symbolic to God, like, when, oh, awesome worship team, by the way. Whew. But when you're raising your hand, this is symbolic to God, I need your help. Think about when a baby, two, three years old. When that baby got some stuff in their pamper, and they see daddy, and they do like this, that mean they want what? pick me up, right? Or when that baby is hungry, that baby will say, pick me up. When that baby is scared, that baby say, pick me up. So that's the same thing when we're raising our hands to the Lord. I'm hungry. I'm scared. I need you. I need to be chained because I done made a boo-boo. <laughs> right? You can say something to somebody you don't want to say to them. You done made a boo-boo. They go to the gas. Right? That too. You done you made a boo boo, so you need the Lord to pick you up, right? So, evangelism and discipleship is wrapped up in this, this verse right here. And then Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus letting us know when you go do what I ask you to do, when you go evangelize, when you go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and then you teach them what I've commanded you, don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you the whole time. So we don't have to worry about being scared or, or fearful or or, or 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 whatever. Jesus is with us, right? All right. Because I ain't not want to get into... John chapter four and no strategy until you get the foundation, you know, because you can do some of this stuff fleshly, and I'll be doing you a disservice if if, if you if if you think that you can uh, go out and effectively do the do the Lord's work without depending on and probably being a culture depending on the Holy Spirit to do it for you, because if you go out here and do some of this stuff on your own and it start to get a little uh, a little notoriety. You open yourself up for pride and all kinds of stuff. Listen, God is not going to let one ministry or one church change the city. It's going to be a revival here in, my, in Montgomery. But he's fixed it where I need you, you need me, you need her. You, like he's not going to let one group do it because they'll get the big head. Right? They'll get prideful. Look what we did. See, God used us to change the city. No, he, he need all of us. Amen. All right, so like Grady was telling you earlier, we are um, planning a church over in Chisholm. And if it was up to them, I'd be preaching the other day. <laughs> but the Lord has um, led us in a different way because what I've been doing is scouting out the neighborhood, uh, talking to business owners out there, talking to people in the community, and uh, letting them know that we're getting ready to start a church here and asking them how can – this church serve you as a business? How can this, serve, this church serve you, you know, as a homeowner? And one guy, he owns a painted body shop out there. He said something to me that pretty much changed the way we're going to do everything. He said, Dwayne, because he'd know me, he, he been knowing me for a while. He said, Dwayne, man, we're excited that you're coming out here. He said, but you need to be different because this community don't trust church. So he told me that it made me get on my knees, go to the Lord. So what God did as I began to study his word, Jesus showed himself anyway before he began to to do ministry. So what God, as far as our evangelism strategy, let me give you some of uh, evangelism strategy. We're, uh, we have a communication with um, on the local food bank. So we're going to have, once a month, we're going to start off beginning in January. We're going to do you don't have to cook night. So uh, we already, I know, right? So we already got some ladies volunteered to come in, and, 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 and we're just going to go around, and we're going to let everybody know on, fri- on next Friday, you just come up and eat, and I'm talking about a nice meal. But then while they're there, we're gonna, we're gonna, somebody's going to share the gospel with them. You know, but we're going to love on them, all right? And then we also plan on hosting some block parties. Like you said, with Flatline, we got about 10 or 12 gospel rappers, uh, uh, and we're going to give out food, and we're going to give out stuff. You know, like, uh, we're not going to charge anything because we're going to let them know that the church is here for them. And uh, we're gonna do prayer walks. I see Trey and Chalk back there. We got some other young guys that we got some guys from Lee High School. Gonna uh, have them put on their jerseys, and we're gonna walk around and pray for the neighborhood, pass out water, do things like that. And we also seeking out the widows and the orphans that's out in that community. So we want to go serve them by cutting their grass, fixing on their houses, doing things, and having somebody cook for them while we while we're working on their yard. We want we want to try to. Really, see as many the every widow and orphan either. Cause that's what the Bible said, right? That's what Jesus said in James. He said, "True religion is when you take care of what the widows and the orphans." Right? And we also gonna um, um, we're starting an after school program called Flatline Skills Academy. And I got some coaches uh, that has volunteered that time where we're gonna work. Cause we already got the football team. We're gonna work with the basketball teams. And on Mondays and Wednesday we're gonna work with the junior varsity girls and boys. And uh, uh, Tuesday and Thursdays, we're gonna do work with the uh, boys. I mean, I'm sorry, the girls. And we're gonna uh, work with the schools and make sure they're they do, you know, coordinate with the schools and the parents and things like that too. But we're gonna be teaching them skills in basketball while we're still uh, loving on them at the same time. And then on Friday night, we're gonna do team worship, you know. So actually, I've already made a request that the way Gateway looks is the way we want children to look. I'm taking y'all whole chaff structure, the whole the intimacy of the building. When I first came in here, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is it. So I can dig this, you know. Uh, (laughs) Because as I told them, I said, man, listen, we need a whole makeover, spiritually, even physically, you know. Um, Right now, times have changed, so we want to try to uh, be wise as we engage the community, all right. And um, uh, uh, we're playing the studio. uh, And what that means is that we believe, no, we and we know that some of this music out right now is uh, Satan has weaponized this music so bad that he has shaped the minds of our young people uh, uh, on how they think and, and most of this violence that's being just taken to another level. I mean, because I was like that, you know. I mean, y'all, if you read the book, I mean, I used to sell music out my trunk. I was selling it for, I was making three, four hundred dollars a day selling it at my trunk. I was, I was making more money selling music than when I was selling crack cocaine. I would give you one CD from uh, No Limit. i give you a masterpiece CD, but well, I know you're gonna come back and buy the rest of them. i give you a juvenile CD, and I know you're gonna come back and buy the rest of them. So the music, the music is just as addictive as some of these drugs and stuff. And it's, Satan is using this music to uh, glorify just rebellion. You know, ungodly sex, Murder, pride, anger, lust. I mean, it's being glorified through the music. So we're going to plant a studio. And when we put this studio at Flatline Church, we're going to offer. You've got to sign a contract. But if you're a secular artist, you can come in and we'll record your first album for free. Because I ain't got no rent on the building. They gave me the building, praise the Lord. But you've got to sign a contract saying that you will not cuss. You will not promote ungodliness. Just tell real stories. So these are evangelism strategies that we're going to use. And as you, it takes about a good two, three weeks to record a project. So scripture's going to be everywhere. We're going to be loving on you while you're recording this thing. You know? And if we can attack the music, you know? So probably, we, we're, we, we're not expecting your first album to be a Christian album because you ain't saved. But at least it be positive. And then probably when you come back, we will release a Christian album because God has been been to change of heart by then all right and then we also uh, we're doing uh, free piano lessons I have a, a company that uh, I'm gonna let them use the uh, building for free they just got to devote 20 hours 20 hours of their uh, 20 hours out of the month to the community so there's a young lady that can't afford to go get piano lessons she can come up to Flatline Church and she can take piano lessons and again we'll still give her the gospel why she does same thing with a ph- photography company I'm allowing them to use the building but the same thing you got to devote 20 hours of the month to community service we'll know we won't charge you no rent you know but then so as we advertise these things in the, in the community we let them know that we're here for them but each time that we're sharing the gospel as they're in the building uh, and build a relationship. And then, so those are some of the evangelism strategies that the Lord Jesus has given up. Because I ain't that smart, y'all, to even think of this stuff. Like it's straight from the throne of God. But some of the discipleship strategies is, of course, we're going to have weekly prayer meetings. Uh, and then once a month, we're going to do all night prayer. Where we're just going to pray, start at uh, 7 o'clock and pray all the way to 5 o'clock in the morning time. Because, see, I went to Ghana, Africa, and did a youth conference. Man, I was so convicted. We went to a prayer meeting. We prayed for seven hours. And they're like, oh, we're going to cut it short because Dwayne here. <laughs> I'm like, cut it short? We've been praying for seven hours. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, we got, oh, we're missing it, you know, because some people are going to be struggling with coming back here tonight for an hour. So, so we, we began to do that at Strong Tower. Uh, uh, there will be one month the women pray all night and then the next month the men pray all night so we're going to get that, that going out in, uh, um, in uh, um, Chisholm as well and then we're gonna do the in-home Bible studies that's pretty self-explanatory and I told you about Friday 19 worship and then just doing life with the community you know making sure everybody out there got our number and got our names and know what we're there about so when it comes time to open the door When it comes time to open the door, I think the Lord says it's okay to open the door for uh, service in May. By then, the community, I've already known. We've we've been consistent, and we've taught them, and we've shown them the love of Jesus. So not just come to my worship service, but we're we're going to go out to you, and we're going to love on you, and we're going to try to meet some of your needs, you know, academically, spiritually, physically, the whole nine, because Jesus died for the whole man. I think we miss that sometimes like Jesus died for the whole man so we're trying to find out errors that we can actually engage them and, and, and meet a need because Jesus met a need then he taught them. he met a need you know he either healed you and then he taught you he either fed you then he taught you but he met a need first and then it won't seem like you're throwing an agenda on me because I'm loving on you it's easy to listen to me when I'm loving on you first but if you just come to me and start talking to me about Jesus well, all this stuff that I've seen on YouTube, all this stuff I've seen on the Internet, I don't believe your Bible. I believe it's the white man Bible. And I run, hear me, I'm, I don't, I'm just saying, like, this is what I run into a lot. Or this is what I see guys or even missionaries make the mistake, especially when you're dealing with the urban community. Like, you got to tell you got to first, the Bible said love covers a multitude of sins. So first you got to love the hell out of them, like literally. Because you're born full of hell, you know that, right? All right? It said, for we all are sin, follow short to the glory of God. So we were born in sin. So we were born wanting to rebel against God. So we have to love the hell up out of them. First and then, they'll, they'll listen to you, you know? Um. So now we can get into John chapter four, <laughs> verse 7 through 26. All right, it is 1146. Lord have mercy. I'm gonna have to, I'm going to have to come back, Grady. Let me me show y'all. Look. (laughs) See a strong tower, you're going to get at least a 45-minute message. You know, like, so we got to learn to condense it. (laughs) All right. Maybe we come back, you know, one day. Amen. But uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 through 26 is pretty much probably the best model for personal evangelism in the scriptures at all. And Jesus shows us four simple principles when it comes to sharing his gospel effectively. Right? You can share it. You're like, dang, but man, nothing happened because you're probably out of step with the way that the master has set it up for us to do it. All right? So uh, I'm just going to read through it, and then I'm going to come back and, and hit, a, hit a few points uh, for us to look at. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, there, there you go. To the fourth. Okay. All right, verse 7 it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciple had gone away uh, into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that a Jew will ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it was saying to you, give me a drink, you, have, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do uh, you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself and did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become to him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me some of that water so that I would not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. What you have said, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know, You worship what you do not. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and it's not here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you and him. Amen. <clears throat> there are four, and I think this is how this conversation started with me, self, and uh, Brady. Brady, Brady, Brady. I know your name, bro. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to personal evangelism, I think we, there's four principles here I want you to look at. First principle, Jesus started off, one, he started talking to a Samaritan woman, which is across, at that time, very cross-cultural. Like, she was even shocked, like, wait a minute, like, what you asking me for for water for? You're not going to drink it, even if I give it to you. Like, Jesus started with something that she was very familiar with, which was water. And I like the fact that he was talking to somebody that normally people would expect him not to talk to. You know, so when when last time we had somebody, like, shocked, because we, you know, we we had Panera Bread or we had Publix and we said, yo, man, how you do, don't worry about it. Let me go ahead and pay for your food. And he's shocked because you even stopped to even have a conversation with him. And you also met him on common ground by talking about, I mean, you're in a grocery store, so it's food. So Jesus saw her at a well, so that's why he brought her water because it was, it was common ground for her. And then... But even before that, because one, let's understand that this woman was an unregenerate person. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are followed to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's one thing we got to understand why we can't just automatically jump to the spiritual. When we're witnessing to somebody, we can't just jump straight to the spirituality because the Bible lets us know that if that person is unregenerate, the word unregenerate means they haven't been regenerated. It's just that simple. Like we're born in sin and we were unregenerate, but Christ came through his blood and through his death and through his resurrection and regenerated us. So when you're dealing with unregenerate people, God says don't go straight there right? And then, but, but after that, then Jesus sung it to the spiritual realm. That's when he asked, he said, uh, if you knew, like he first started off with common ground. He started talking about water, just a regular conversation. It could be football, it could be anything. But then you swang it, or you, Jesus swung it to the spiritual realm when he said, when he said, if you knew who was who, who was asking you for this water, you ask me for some water, and I'll give you living water. So now he, he now he's got to the spiritual part. And then the third part, he brought conviction using his word. He said, well, go call your husband. She said, I ain't got no husband. He said, you're right. The cat you shagging up with it right now. <laughs> Not your husband, you know. And when he, how he loved her to that point, conviction came. First he met on common ground. Then, he, then he, he swung into the spiritual realm. And then he brought the word into the conversation. Sometimes we bring the word into the conversation without even preparing their heart to get ready for the word. Does that make sense? So when he when he told her, Go call your husband and, and she said what she said, well he knew she had transgressed the seven commandments, you know, adultery. And then that's when you could tell she was convicted because she said, Oh, well that's okay. When the Messiah comes, he gonna tell us everything. So she, by saying that, she revealed to Jesus that she knows, I'm in sin, and I need help. And then Jesus introduced himself to her at the end. He said, the one you're talking to is him. And then if you keep reading now, it is, it's not on here, but the Bible says she went back into town and told everybody, come see this man who done told me everything about myself. And the Bible said the whole town came back, and they heard the gospel. Now when it comes to our personal evangelism, are we doing that? Remember we talked about early prayer being the culture, prayer gets rid of fear, prayer gets rid of anxiety, prayer gives you courage. Prayer makes you desperate for the Holy Spirit. Prayer causes you to be intimate with with Jesus. So you can hear a voice, John 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice. So watch this. If... Jesus saying that my sheep hear my voice, that means there's more than one voice talking. So God wants us to have prayer as a culture so when he lets us know it's time to share the gospel on our personal evangelism side, you'll know how he did it in the word and you would do it the way he say do it. And then we'll get effective results. And then we don't have time, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. But if we go to Acts 17, you you ain't got to put it up there, brother. But if you go go to Acts 17, verse 16 through 34, there's another account when Paul was in Athens. And he was surrounded by so much paganism, so many philosophies. And this is today because with this thing right here, this philosophy, everybody got an opinion about everything, Right? So that, that's actually the age that we're living in right now. We're surrounded by people who have all these different philosophies about who God is, who God is not. I don't believe that he even exists, even though you to prove that he exists. Because, I mean, anytime a person tell me they don't believe that God exists, then how you get here? Everything else around, this podium got a maker, that microphone got a maker, that piano got a maker, and they got a handbook. But you mean to tell me you don't have a maker. So you mean to tell me this piano got more purpose than you. If, there, if you were just blown, blown up and, and, and coming together, imagine what it would be like if it's raining outside and your nose upside down. God knew rain was going to be coming. And I'm going to flip that nose like this. I mean, some of this stuff is just like. But in Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through 34, Paul was dealing with so many philosophers. And he reasoned with them, meaning he was aware of some of the things that went on in their culture. And the reason I brought that up, like it's important to at least know like if if, if, if if you're dealing in a, with a mistech community or an urban community or a middle class white community or middle class black like you need to at least know their their mindset and some things that are going on in their community some things that they're they're concerned about so you won't be insensitive when it comes to witnessing to them because if you don't if, if you say something that's very very insensitive insensitive to me and it, because you haven't done the take the time to learn a little bit about my culture. Even when you bring me the truth, I'm closing my heart up to it. And Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you open the door, then I'll come in and dine with you. So how do you get a person to open the heart to the door? I'm sorry. Yeah, open the, the heart. Open the door on their heart so that Christ can come in. You go through those principles that Jesus set up for us. You start off with a conversation. People need to know you love them before they care about what you're saying. You go through those, those principles. You, 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 um, you, you meet them on common ground. You swing into the spiritual realm. Then you, you tell them the truth of the word of God. Jesus is the only one that, in, in all the religions, Jesus is the only one that offered to pay for your sins. Nobody else. Jesus is the only one that said you don't have to do anything, just come get this free gift. Jesus is the only one. Secular history. I don't even need the Bible to prove the Bible. That's how powerful it is. Secular history proved that Jesus Christ was, was there was a real Jesus of Nazareth. Secular history proved that there was a real execution. Secular history proved that there was a real crucif- uh, resurrection over 530 some folks saw him now can you imagine t- just today if, if a crime is committed and one person testify against you that's enough to send you to jail right what about three pe- people say the same thing like yeah I saw it too well five hundred and thirty two and you still want me to you know when when there's enough history out here to said over 532 people saw Jesus after the the resurrection. And when he told you, listen, yeah, I'm going to give, can't nobody kill me, I'm going to give my life up, and in three days, I'm coming back. And then do it. Man, okay, listen, whatever you say, I believe it. So, with this Bible, I can turn right here, i say, yep, I believe every line. I ain't read it yet, but I believe it. This your word. If you, could, if you can you could tell me that you're going to give your life up and you're going to come back in three days and you do it, anything you say is true. Because can't no man, can't no regular man do that. So that's the, that's the hope of the gospel. And, and this is the good news. Jesus rose so you can rise. You know what I'm saying? Like he rose so we can have new life. We're dead in sin and Christ want to raise us to life. That's the whole point of sharing the gospel with people. They're dead in their sins but that's not God's plan for them. God wants them to be alive in Jesus. So he's calling us to be ambassadors. Like we it's a it's a mandate that we share the gospel. It's not it's not a suggestion. God is really encouraging us to share the gospel with people and so they can be raised to new life. But prayer has to be prayer has to be the culture in order to do that. So you can depend on the Holy Spirit to do it. Amen. Amen. All right. It's 12 o'clock. That's the what, what time y'all normally end. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, I thank y'all for helping me fight through this because it's been a fight every word that I've been able to have them to say up here because I know what I got to deal with when I get leave here. I mean, I got to explain to my seven-year-old daughter who uh, every Friday would go and hang out with her granddad to Saturday. So uh, y'all pray for me on that. And I still pray y'all was encouraged uh, today to go out and be a witness for Christ, to engage your community for the Lord as a church and as individuals, right? Um, Amen. I guess that's it, man.